now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands.
2020. Let me just, I literally just dropped the camera, believe it or not. Mm, this camera keeps a, takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Good morning, everyone. Crystal, how are you? The beautiful Crystal. Well, we don't know if Crystal's really beautiful or not because Crystal hides behind the, the scales of justice. How are you guys? Happy first Friday. It is the first Friday. No, the first Friday was New Year's Day. This is already the second Friday, folks, of uh, 2021. What's going on? Um, I'm still getting all sorts of videos from you guys. Let me see what this one is. Okay, let me pull this one up so you guys can see it. Thank you so much. All of you who share your videos and everything else, appreciate it. Um, I know some of you are trying to track me down by phone. It's not always easy, folks. Um, some days are just really, really busy. And yesterday was one of those days. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about uh, <clears throat> what was going on. Uh, lots in court. So... Um, Let's talk about some of those. Let me just see here. All right, folks, if you know people who, for whatever reason, can't get to Facebook, encourage them to go to the website. I've just um, inserted all of the tech stuff to make it live. So they're basically seeing exactly what you're seeing. It's the same Facebook feed, but we can do it through the website. Deshaun, good morning, my dear. How are you? Mitzi's here for it. Karen, good morning. What's been going on? How is 2020 treating you guys so far? Good morning, Cara. Olivia, thank you guys so much, by the way, um, all of you who tuned in last night while I was in West Bay visiting. Um, I wanted to go by to see Mr. Um, Wesley Howell, who's now 106 years old. And um, for the past couple of years, you know, I've been by to visit him. I feel like it's something amazing to be able to look forward to every single um, every single year now. And um, I'm just always so tickled pink to see him. So happy birthday again to Mr. Wesley. He had a birthday party and um, it was well attended by a lot of the older folks in the community um, paying their respects to him. And I also wanted to extend my condolences to um, the family of, let me just get her proper name, Estella, um, who passed away yesterday. And I thought to myself, isn't this so incredibly unusual? Mistella um, was 105 and the oldest resident in the district of East End. And for sure, in the top, probably the second oldest in all of the Cayman Islands. 
So um, Mrs. Stella passed away yesterday, sadly, on the birthday um, of Mr. Wesley. So I thought, oh, that's so sad. But um, still, 105 is pretty good. That's not too shabby. Um, someone shared some pictures. I'm just trying to pull them up um, of her. This was um, her back in April 2018 with, um, is that the doctor from um, Health City? Wheeling her around, but she looks good. She looks good. You know, having said that though, I think that, um, I mean, I don't know anything about Mistella in terms of her quality of life, but obviously no one wants to be 105 and not have the best possible quality of life. But I think it's still a testament to um, the elderly members of her community, the life that they lived how they took care of themselves. So, you know, most of um, the older people who are 100, 105, they, they tell you uh, they have a faith-based life, which I think um, keeps a lot of things in perspective. You don't have to be a Bible thumper 24-7, but there's no doubt that faith plays a very important role in your overall health. This is back in October. She was turning 105. Um, so yeah, you know, good morning to Tamara, Irvlin, Atlas, Olivia, Chantel, thank you so much. So condolences go out to the family of Miss Stella, welcome. We are um, so sorry to hear of her passing. And um, happy birthday to Mr. Wesley. Isn't that ironic though? The day that Another member of the elderly community passes. Another one is celebrating a birthday. And that's just life, folks. Life is so indiscriminate. In other words, it just doesn't care <laughs> a lot of times. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And believe me, you better just live it to your best possible ability. So good morning, Tracy. Tracy says, good morning, K-Man. It's Friday. We officially made it through the first week of 2021. And man, what a week. Do not forget, good folks, that you can join the program at any time that you wish. Um, I've got a new system set up here where I've tried to make it as easy as possible. The link is super short. It's caymanmallroad.com backslash talk now, I think. Is that what I ended up? Talk show or talk now? I'm trying to remember. Uh, let me just pull it up here, and I'll tell you guys exactly what it is. We posted a video. Did you guys see this video of the angry mob? This is from the Jamaican Gleaner um, in America. So, of course, the fallout for what has happened in the United States of America continues to resonate around the world. It has been um, shocking. So I'm going to stick the link in the um, comment section. Sai, good morning, my darling. Good morning, Genevieve. Good morning, Violet. If you guys want to join in in the show, this is how you do it. 
So I'm just going to put the link there. So just click on that link and you can pop up right on screen with me. Don't feel shy. Hi, Violet. Hi, Ervalyn. Um, Ervalyn says, good morning, my go-to person in the morning. Uh, what is a morning without Sandy? Oh, thank you so much. Hi, Miss Joy. Evania and Larry, of course, from New York. Larry, have you gotten that little package that we sent for you yet? Hopefully you'll get it in a couple of days. Ooh, Jaren. Now, Jaren, you are a person that I want to come on the show that we can talk about this because I hear what you're saying, but I think that you, my darling, um, needs to take some responsibility for some of the situation that you are finding yourself in. So maybe today's not the day, but I'm ready any day that you are. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about baby mama drama and daddies. Um, he says, good morning, by the way. Good morning. Obviously, Jaren is upset about something this morning. I understand how that goes. Uh, Mr. Cornelius is joining us again from St. Lucia. Thank you so much. You seem to enjoy the program, Mr. Cornelius. What's it like in St. Lucia this morning? Andy is here. Toshi asking how I'm doing. Toshi, uh, thank you for asking. And I am well. No complaints, darling. Uh, Miss Darlene says, Sandy, the real eye opener. Well, we're going to talk about it for sure. Good morning, Miss Barbara. All right, Larry, it's on the way. It's definitely on the way. Um, so Larry and Louie, I don't know if Louie's on yet. I'm sending them some merchandise, some CMR merch. They live in the States. So, um, it didn't make any logistical sense to have the shipment come to the Cayman Islands and then turn around and have it go back to the States. So, my suppliers are very good. And I said to them, listen, um, I've got some persons who want to get some merchandise. Can we go ahead and just drop ship it from there? And they said, no problem. We'll pull it out of your shipment and we are good to go. So thank you so much. Uh, it's good to work with sensible people. <laughs> so trust me, we really, really appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about a few things this morning. Cabinet members of Donald Trump have finally woken up and they are smelling, I don't even want to say the coffee, they are smelling the stench of what has been going on for the past four years and what a lot of us have been like, uh, what are you guys doing? Otherwise seemingly sensible people had lost all good senses and worked for this man. And, you know, a lot of it was just self-serving, really. You know, they allowed him to get away with a lot in the name of getting something for themselves, really. But, you know, there's always a price to pay, folks. You cannot be an unprincipled person in the world of politics and think that that will be um, in the end, a successful venture. It always comes crashing down. So 
So um Oh no. I just got worried somebody passed away. All right, so we'll get some we'll get some additional details on that. I'm sorry to hear that. Um So yes. Um hmm. even here in the Cayman Islands when we talk about, you know, politics, I'm always concerned about people who don't get it. And when I say unprincipled, I don't care if you are the voter or the politician. If you're both unprincipled, we got a problem. And oftentimes we find that people are prepared to sell their votes. And then they sit back and, you know what I always find most interesting? That people will sell someone's vote or sell their vote. Well, maybe they're selling other people's vote too, like the whole family. I don't know. For a refrigerator, uh, um, some crushed rock or whatever. They always sell it for the stupidest stuff too. I mean, it's like, really? And then when the politicians come a knock in to collect and they don't come and knock into you. They, they do it on the back of all of the people of the community. And then you don't see them for the next four years. Those same people have the audacity to sit down and cuss the politicians. Yeah, you know what? That, damn, they're not no good, you know. They're not no good. Yeah, you don't see them for four years. Mm-hmm. They got to just sit down and, 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 and um, I, I don't know what they'd be doing because I, I don't see them. I, I don't hear nothing from them. It's like... Really? You don't? And you expected to hear from them and to see them. Why? Because they were such such upstanding people in the community, because they had a moral fiber to talk about when they just bought your vote. They're going to get it back from you in a way that you probably, if you thought about it for a few minutes, don't want. Right? So they're going to do kickbacks. They're going to destroy the environment for big business. They're going to give away concessions. They're going to give away the future of this country. Next week, we're going to be talking about education, speaking about the future of this country. And what a dismal mess we are in, in terms of that. Your children are barely literate, barely functional. And I'm going to say our children, because I have to take ownership, because I also live in this community. And to some extent, these children are just as much mine as they are yours. I didn't birth them, but they impact the entire community. So if you don't think that literacy on an island of only 65,000 people is important or significant, we got a serious problem. Your politicians are not going to talk about these tough topics. Who who out there is being honest with you right now as a politician and saying, um, you know what? We probably do not 
want to continue down this dreadful road that we're on in terms of education because your children are not benefiting. If your children are not literate, how do you expect them to hold the jobs that you then think they are entitled to hold? I mean, it's a valid question. The system is failing us, folks. Left, right, and center. And people in this community are still happy, just like in the United States of America, to turn a blind eye and to um, continue to be oblivious to what is going on around them. And I can tell you something. They say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will get you killed, folks. One of the worst things in the world, in my opinion, is to be ignorant. Get your heads unstuck. Pull them out of the ground. Crystal says she's so disappointed with Trump. Well, I guess you're not the only one. His education minister, uh, Betsy DeVoe, has resigned. She has said, enough is enough. And again, I have to wonder, right? I sit back and I think to myself, were all of these sensible people or semi-sensible people, because they couldn't be all that sensible getting in bed with him to begin with, but semi-sensible people the whole time just along for this ridiculous ride? Could they be that self-serving that it just didn't matter? This man was doing all sorts of stuff that morally, if you had a moral fiber in your body, it made you cringe with disgust. And now, now he has what, 12, 13 days left? Now you wake up after people storm the capital of the United States of America which apparently was very easy to do if you're the right type of people. Now you wake up and like Crystal, you're disappointed. You're finally disappointed, Crystal. Oh my God. It is so unbelievable. Morning, Panda. Um, Barbara wants to know, how Larry got uh, top fan before her. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Larry's been doing a lot. Good morning to Miss Beulah. Good morning, Gina. That's right, Larry. It's up to Facebook. It's up to Facebook. So, um, Bet Betsy DeVoe, Education Secretary, has said that that behavior was unconscionable for a country. Really, Betsy? Good for you to find something finally unconscionable. And she also said that there's no mistaking the impact of Trump's rhetoric, the impact Trump's rhetoric had on the situation. Duh. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow, who's married to Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell also resigned on Thursday. She resigned first and then Betsy resigned. 
folks, it took them long enough. And all sorts of other staff members are pulling the plug and they're like, oh no, enough is enough. Well, you know, it is a hot mess of a situation. Um, America is going to be, I think, on the road to recovery. What has been brought to the surface, and I, I say brought to the surface because there's no way that anyone can turn you into a hateful person overnight and make you a hateful person unless um, you kind of already are that person, you know? So what ends up happening is people bring it to the surface. And by them bringing it to the surface, you have to acknowledge a role in that. And accept that you are part of the problem. Listen to me. If you support someone who has no respect for the laws, no respect for what's right and what's wrong, then what, what is the likely outcome of that situation? You know, what else do you think is going to happen? To me, it's, it's almost a given that this is going to be the likely outcome. So sadly for America, it ain't over till the fat lady sings, as the saying goes. And even the fat lady, and I'm not being disparaging to fat people because I'm in that category, folks. <laughs> even her has ran out of the opera and she is refusing to sing because she's like, I'm out of here. Jackie from Honduras, Oak Ridge, Buenos dias. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Sharon says private schools are going on and our children in government school is home. This is so bad. Um, well, we need to talk about these types of things. I get that the teachers wanted a break. But again, when you're talking about such poor literacy rates, and then, you know, we're not even discussing the, the impact of COVID on the literacy of our children. But you turn around and do a stunt like this, where you allow teachers um, to take a, an extended vacation during a crisis like this. I'm a little bit concerned about how the ministry and the minister of education is thinking. And I get the argument that teachers needed an extended break, but our children need an extended education clearly because what you are doing is not working. The cold hard truth is what this program is called. So in America, Trump is talking about pardoning his family as Washington debates removing him. Now, this is so peculiar, and this is not the first time he said this. He said this a couple weeks back, right? So listen to this. He wants to pardon his entire family that was involved with him, his daughter, son-in-law, the son. But he wants to pardon them 
before they've actually been convicted of anything. Now, I don't know about you, Crystal, or Mourner Atlas, but I've never heard of such a thing before. I'm going to pardon you and excuse you in anticipation of you getting arrested, getting convicted. How does that work? How do you pre-pardon someone? And the more important question is, WTF did they do? Because what this says to me, there would be no reason for President Trump to be even considering this if he did not have some serious concerns about the possibility that his children and his son-in-law may have been committing acts that were unlawful and will face the legal consequences of that when they no longer have the protection of being connected to the president-elect. He himself is going to have a problem once he gets out of the White House. Now, uh, some people are talking about impeaching him by invoking the 25th Amendment, although they've only got a couple weeks left. On the one hand, some people are like, why bother? Why impeach him? Other people are saying, you know what? If we don't impeach him, what the outcome will be, is, as someone rightfully said here, he will be eligible to run for, oops, he'll be eligible to run for office again. Now, isn't that crazy? So I guess it's on, I guess it's on the table. It's on the table for America that he could very well be impeached. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but they're going to have to figure it out. I know that Joe Biden, I think, has kind of said, let's just try to move on from this. But there are others who are saying, hold on a second. We don't think you understand the implications of just trying to move on from Trump. It's not going to end there. And it doesn't end there with someone with Trump's personality, I think, is the problem. So they see this going on um, in a spectacular fashion. And their concerns are that um, if he is not impeached, that will be sending him a clear message, because trust me, he is a narcissist at a different level, that he has gotten away with it. And he'll be ready again in four years. So um, according to Bloomberg News, Donald Trump is reviewing a list of possible pardons that include his daughter, Ivanka, Ivanka, and her husband, senior advisor, Jared Kushner. His personal attorney, really, Rudy, what have you been doing? Rudy Giuliani? Huh. And um, who else has he had working around him that might need a pardon? I guess anyone that's left. Might be subject to a pardon. What a thing. All right. 
let's have a quick look here. Thank you, Ms. Morna. Uh, Crystal says that we need more therapists in the schools. Well, that's one thing, free tutoring. We've talked about that before. Ms. Morna is a little bit late, no problem. Better late than never. I know, I know, Atlas. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Pardoning yourself is definitely the, the most abusive presidential power I can ever think of. Well, child, it gets worse than that. Good morning to Miss Sue. Hi, Sophia. Crystal says some conservatives are blaming BLM or Antifa for the capitals. Oh, my God. Can I tell you something? Last night, I was watching a video um, about this whole, oh, let's blame the other side. You know what I find interesting? This goes to show you what a bunch of cowards the people are, really, that support Trump and his ridiculousness. Because, listen... If I had the audacity to do the things that these people do, storming the Capitol, doing the most, don't you think you should be able to say, you know what? We believe that storming the Capitol was the right thing to do. We're standing by what we did. We support Trump no matter what he does, because that's pretty much what they're saying. And um, it is what it is. And the rest of America has got to suck it up. But they are so spineless. They're snakes. Because they do something like that, and then they turn around and they say, oh, it wasn't us. <laughs> it was like, what? Conspiracy theorists. Oh, it was somebody else. It's BLM paying people to show up um, to this event. And I'm thinking, hold on a second here. You mean to tell me? That you were so, oh my God, this, this is like the worst. You do whatever you want. You break the laws, da, 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 da. And then you turn around and do not even have the backbone to say, yes, we did it. Cowards. Blaming other people. I mean, I was shocked at this when I saw that this is what was going on. So the guy who's dressed up in the um, like horn and whatever that outfit was. Um, again, they're all saying that, no, no, no. He's a, um, like a spy, I guess. And he's been placed there to disrupt the system. And he's not a Trump supporter and he's not Antifa. And as, as one observer mentioned, um, and let me just say that um, left-wing activists, Antifa is who they're trying to blame, and even Trump himself and allies of him are saying that this is what's happening. But it's shocking how, how incredibly um, naive people are. So just because you post something like, oh, yeah, I saw this dude at the BLM um, Black Lives Matter protest, and now he's here. He was never at a Black Lives Matter protest. And historically, you can go back, because social media works that way, and you can find footage of him for years at a Trump supporter, as a Trump supporter and at Trump rally, um, rallies. So you expect me to believe that someone who is Antifa is going to spend years following Trump all over the country, supporting him to only show up at Capitol Hill this week, and he's really Antifa? 
no. So, I mean, it's just stupid. It is really, really ridiculous. Even the Washington Times has had to come out and said, listen, the people in the crowd that stormed Capitol Hill have been identified as long-serving supporters of Donald Trump. Even the woman who got shot, a 14-year veteran apparently, was there um, supporting Trump for a very, very long time. So this isn't Antifa. These are Trump supporters. I want us to watch a quick video on this. We'll watch a few more videos. And then I want to get into a discussion about Skylar Mack. Um, the court case yesterday with those two young Caymanian guys who now are going to jail, possibly for manslaughter. They have been convicted. Uh, but it would be amiss of me to not really have this discourse that is happening the world over in terms of the hot mess that America is in. And I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. For me, America is a second home. I grew up there in my most formative years from the age of nine. I just turned nine when I moved to the U.S. I did not come back to Cayman until I was an adult. And so those are my formative years. I went to, um, you know, elementary school from the fourth grade up. I went to junior high school. I went to high school in America. I went to university in America. My primary on-campus university experience was at USF. And so America is very near and dear to me. You know, my aunt that I grew up with was an American citizen. She died at 80-something, and she'd been there from when she was a child. We have family members that are Americans. So this touches me, and it bothers me in a way that, you know, it's really hurtful to see this happening. I'm not directly involved, obviously, in American politics, but let's have a look at all this. Let's blame Antifa, blame somebody else, shenanigans. Because again, I'm at a loss for how you can be so bold, how you can do the things that you do, and then you seek to blame somebody else for it. If you're going to be bold and destroy the capital, have the kahunis, folks to accept that that is what you're doing, that you are single-handedly destroying America. Take, take credit for it. All on you. As Washington recovers from the damage pro-Trump rioters caused yesterday, far-right groups are spreading misinformation about it online. The headline on NBCNews.com from Brandy Zadrozny and Ben Collins says, Trump loyalists push evidence-free claims that Antifa activists fueled mobs that strategy, often labeled as a false flag attack. Uh, ben is here with me now. Uh, ben, if you know, you know, but if you don't, can you explain false flag attacks a bit more for our viewers who might never have heard of them? Yeah, it's a big thing in the conspiracy internet. Uh, it, the concept is a, somebody does a, like performs a terror attack, or in this case, a riot, uh, and does it to try to frame another group of people. That is not what happened here. Straight up, um, the people who stormed the Capitol yesterday were pro-Trump militias, QAnon conspiracy theorists, and other ragtag groups of Trump fans. How do we know that? It's because, you know, we know the specific people. 
They're, they were at Trump rallies for years. They were alt-right influencers. They were people whose faces were, that were easily recognizable from some of the darker corners of the pro-Trump internet. So uh, this is not Antifa. Uh, the Washington Times put out a story last night saying that there was a facial recognition technology that they used to identify Antifa members. That has already been pulled down. That's been uh, removed from their website because the story was false and it was pushed by people on these very same websites that organized this exact riot. Ben, I think the question we just keep hearing over and over and over again since yesterday is, how did we not see this coming? Uh, you have been watching these online forums, social media posts flood in for years. There were warning signs for months about yesterday. Uh, you and Brandy even had a story about the growing violent threats on Tuesday, a day before the riots. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit more. How did law enforcement miss this? Uh, they failed. That's how they missed it. Um, you know, this is a group of people who are known to commit violent action. You know, the 4chan and the 8chan crowd, you know, if you were alive a year ago, you might remember this. You know, in the summer of 2019, they were murdering people and leaving white nationalist manifestos on 8chan, which is now 8con, and 4chan. These same websites were organizing this rally. The people on this website, but on 4chan and in the Donald and Aitken, these are pro-Trump, far-right websites that promote the Proud Boys, promote QAnon, and promote militia movements. They said January 6th, we're going, we're going to storm the Capitol. The debate on those websites wasn't should we storm the Capitol, it was should we kill police when we're there? That's what was going on. I have no idea how this was, how this was missed by law enforcement. It's a massive strategic failure. I'm not saying the people on the ground did anything in particular. I'm saying strategically, there should have been more people there right. and they just didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, Ben, one of the things that I've heard from a number of people, including my husband who just mentioned it in passing this morning, he said they had T-shirts printed with the date. He goes, you don't just do that five minutes before you go somewhere. This was planned in advance. I mean, it was clear this was not something uh, that just popped into their minds when the when you know an, an hour beforehand and and we've heard from Yasmin Vesuvian earlier today so many of them traveled from out of town they just didn't you know this wasn't just a spur of the moment thing uh, I got to ask you some more about the people who stormed the Capitol building because there was one in particular you have some reporting on what can you tell us you know there, there's a guy that he, he his name's Jake Angeli he goes by the QAnon shaman he was the guy on the dais there he was wearing that pelt Looked, uh, looked like that. You know, the guy uh, who really stormed his way into the Capitol is a man from Des Moines. He was wearing a QAnon shirt. Oh, the guy with the horns. Yeah, there's the guy with the horns there. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. That guy has been at pro-Trump rallies for months and months. And shortly afterwards, people tried to frame this man as Antifa. Uh, this would be the longest bit of all time if, if this guy was Antifa for a couple of years going to pro-Trump rallies, pretending to be a QAnon supporter. That's not what's happening. Reality conflicts with these conspiracy theories. And, you know, the reality is uh, we know who these people are. And a lot of these people have merchandised these things. That guy had a GoFundMe based on this bit he was doing. Like you said, th this was a merchandised event. They had planned for it. They made T-shirts. They had live streams collecting donations for it. They knew what they were doing. Don't let them say anything otherwise.
All right, Ben Collins, always great to have you, especially on a day like this. Really appreciate your reporting. Thank you. All right, folks. So just a little snippet of that. Um, isn't that that shocking? Again, they're trying to now convince people after months, up to a year, they've said of planning this. T-shirts, merchandise printed. They're trying to get people to believe uh, this rhetoric that somehow Antifa and other people are responsible for this. One last video that someone just sent me this morning. Um, let me just see if I have it queued up here. And they said, you've got to watch this. A lot of people are saying, well, how is Trump really responsible for this? Um, the rhetoric that Trump has engaged in um, has been directly responsible for what has transpired. Trump behind the scenes has been agitating these groups and encouraging them to do exactly what they did. Go back and, and listen to the videos. See what Trump said, right? He was like, we are going to... Walk over there. We're going to do this. Of course, he's nowhere to be seen at all when it really goes down, as as usual with cowards. Absolutely nowhere to be seen at all. Um, there's another very interesting... Um, let's just watch this one that we got in here and see what this one is about, actually. <laughs> So there you have it. Hardcore proof. Um, Trump's own son recording what Trump was doing as these guys were starting to protest and storm the Capitol. They're sitting there watching this. Trump has claimed now five people dead as a result of, um, of this fiasco. Went up from four to five. He claims 
that he was calling in the National Guard. He was calling in the police. People are saying that this is one of the darkest days in American history. This has never happened before. Nothing like this. No one has ever stormed the Capitol. So you put that in perspective. How old is America now? Put in perspective that despite all of their tumultuous history and what they've been through, this has never, ever happened. Everyone is like Trump's, you know, incites mob and violent end to presidency. That was one title. Darkest days in our history. Um, timeline of Trump's inflammatory rhetoric. So the Guardian out of the UK has done an entire timeline of how this has been a buildup. This is not something, folks, that just happened overnight. But there you have proof of Trump sitting there watching this on TV, watching what was happening. Um, Trump Jr. and his girlfriend telling people, get out there and fight. It's like these people are so oblivious. They're not oblivious. They're, they're fully understanding what's going on and they are encouraging the behavior. So it's crazy. It really, really is crazy. Um, he did nothing. He didn't call the National Guard. He must have been confused about when he called the National Guard in July for unpeaceful Black Lives Matters protests so that he could walk across their church and take a photo. And in that instance, they were tear gas and remove peaceful protesters. This was a totally different situation. It is what it is. Let's move on. Sue uh, said, God knows what Trump is capable of now in the next 10 days as he's not right in the head and those horrible hooligans round them up. Um, prison is too good for them. It's sad. Good morning, um, Flora. Trump Jr. needs to go to jail too. That's probably why Trump is trying to pardon them all because he knows that jail is very much in their future. All right, speaking of jail, um, let's talk about what transpired yesterday here in the Cayman Islands. Sad situation, but it ended like this for two young men, two Caymanian young men. So that's it, folks. Um, a real sad state of affairs, but these young men who are very young, I want to say they're in their early 20s, were found guilty yesterday of manslaughter in an incident that took place on the night of November the 29th of last year. So Jeremy Ralph Parchment and Shamar Jose Julio Kelly being taken off to jail in that video clip that you see there after being found guilty of manslaughter in the death 
of a Sri Lankan national. Let me just get his name. It's a very long name. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, I try to be respectful to this man because, you know, Dinesh Ashanka Fernando Wanukuwata Waduj. He was a uh, father and a husband working here in the Cayman Islands, trying to create opportunities for his family financially, send money back. I believe he was a chef. And um, now his life is, unfortunately, it was taken in um, November of last year. And you know, at the end of the day, folks, good morning, Mr. Walton. It's um, unfortunate. Multiple lives have been destroyed here as a result of people not really thinking about what they're doing in a moment. And I suppose I understand that when you're young, you do things that you don't think about. You think your actions will not have consequences. You don't think, all oh, right, if I strike a man, if I hit a man, if I beat a man up, that could very well kill him. Our young people don't think about that. Partly because as parents, we have raised young people to think that their actions have no consequences. So a lot of us are to blame for this too. You know, when your kid is five years old and you let them run around like a hooligan, what do you think is going to happen when they're 22? They're not going to be listening to you. So... This man here is now deceased as a result of what happened. His young child and his wife now have to live the rest of their lives without him. His extended family, brothers, sisters, mother, he probably has a mother that's still alive, will forever be impacted by the loss of this life. So these young men had to be held accountable. Um, what has now transpired is, quite interestingly enough, the jury went out on Wednesday, and then they came back yesterday asking for additional clarification on the medical reports. And I'll tell you, I sat through some of this trial and I did hear um, the day that the pathologist from Canada was on and he was interviewed. And, um, you know, he has all kind of accolades and he's very well um, recognized in the field of pathology. And he was talking about the impact of the blow, the, the blunt force trauma and what it would have created, the type of hemorrhage 
that it would have created. And how it was very likely um, that the outside fight, because there was apparently more than one, it was an incident inside followed up by an incident outside that led to this man, this father and husband collapsing and dying right there at Bananas. And what they called, what the physician, the pathologist called a death. Let me, let me tell you the exact term um, that was used. The term used was um, terminal collapse. So what he said and he explained was, yes, when you die, the body does not and cannot stay standing up, obviously. I think we all know that. And so as a result of that, you fall. And when you fall, uh, there's a reason, I suppose, why they call it dead weight. We've all heard that term before. You fall with the entire weight of your body. So if you are 150 pounds, that's 150 pounds, folks, falling over and hitting the ground really hard. And people heard, that, that to me, this was so weird to hear and kind of like disgusting as well. But people heard the thump of the body as it hit the ground. And so, of course, you know, his defense attorneys brought up different possibilities. Is it possible that this could have happened, that that could have happened? Maybe there was something else that caused his death. And in the end, the final analysis was that all those other things were highly unlikely. So one of the questions was like, Maybe he died in the fall. Like maybe the fall killed him. And that's why the pathologist explained this concept of um, a terminal collapse. And the blow to the head in the position that it was done was so significant that the hemorrhaging, um, there's a specific type of hemorrhage, uh, something begins with an A. I actually had written this down, but um, that would have done such immediate and significant damage that basically within whatever short period of time, the man was already dead. You know, it was just one of those things. So they were trying to say, oh, you know, he's got high blood pressure or he was on medication and blood thinners and maybe it was all these other things. So the jury deliberated partly on Wednesday. Um, they came back yesterday asking the judge, and this was Justice, um, what's her name? Richards, she's the former head of the DPP's office, a former prosecutor. They were asking her for some explanation um, or further guidance and to review the medical information. So what uh, she did was she went back and reread because it is a bit of a medically complicated thing, right? And the guy was speaking in you know medical terms and whatever. So she reread the um, statements, the transcripts, essentially, from the physician, the primary pathologist, and went back over his questions and cross-examination. So when the defense was saying, oh, you know, could he have died from the fall? 
the doctor was like, that's highly unlikely. Because the way in which the, the trauma occurred to the head, that area um, of the, the side, you know, you would, you would have to hit at a particular angle um, a protruded object. And where he collapsed, there was no protruding object. He collapsed on a flat surface, on a flat, uh, basically just a sidewalk. Good morning, Dwin, uh, joining us from Rotan, Honduras. Good morning to Nikki. Mlot, good morning. So um, this is a sad situation. You know, I sat there yesterday. Um, as the judge said, listen, I'm going to send these young men to jail now because, unfortunately, they present, in her opinion, a high um, flight risk. And so she's not saying that ultimately they will or will not go to jail. She made that very clear to them that there has been no determination yet on their sentence, uh, whether it would be custodial or not. But the possibility, obviously, is that this will be a custodial sentence. And so given the high likelihood of that situation, um, they were taken into custody. They had a moment to spend with their families before being taken downstairs into the lockup area. Um, the mother and father, and I don't know if that was an aunt or somebody else was there with parchment, visibly upset and crying. And um, sadly, I thought to myself, this is hard on the family. These young men will have to pay a price for what they have done. And by the way, this family, the parchment family, is sort of paying double because the other son, the one here in the middle, um, he actually pled guilty to a lesser offense. And so he, you know, will have some consequences to face from that as well. So you've got two sons. I don't know how many children they have. But now you've got two sons who are... Um, dealing with some very severe consequences. And if they are half decent people, and I don't know anything about them, I'm also sure that they have some remorse. They have some regret about their actions that night. And at night, I would not be able to sleep knowing that I took a man away from his family. Look at that little cute baby, my God. So, you know, on the one hand, I felt for them in the moment yesterday, but I felt more for the family of Denise. Denise's family will never get to see him again. These young men, they're young. They will have an opportunity to come out of jail and to perhaps turn their lives around. Um, they will live, you know, they're going to be in Northward eating three square meals a day plus snacks and whatever else. Denish, he's dead. There, there is no second chance for him. 
yesterday, uh, Parchment got to hug his mom and, you know, she was obviously very upset and tearful, but at least you get to hug your son. Someone has lost a loved one that will never be back. So, um, all I can say to young people is, you know, we've all been young. We've all done things. Um, the judge did a good job of explaining what in legal terms I think was very complicated, the test that needed to be applied. So as you guys know, I hold a law degree and I've read a lot of criminal cases as part of that program. And um, it's, it's the but for test is what we call it in layman's terms, but for the actions of these guys, um, would Denise still be alive today? So some very important things to consider, and I think our young people need to know the realities of what the court looks at when they find themselves in this type of a situation. It doesn't have to be the only cause of death. It doesn't have to be the sole cause of death. You can't kill someone and then say, oh, well, this person had high blood pressure. Um, they had some issues. They were weak. You have to, as they say, take your victim as you find them. And so even if your victim has a predisposed condition, that means a blow that would be fatal to them might not be fatal to somebody else. You don't get to argue in a court of law that it's not your fault. You will still be held accountable. Because but for the actions of whatever it was that you engaged in and whatever it was that you did, um, this person would still be alive. And so I think it's really incumbent on our young people to think very, very carefully about their actions. So the judge said the well-known test in criminal court was explained as such. A defendant will be liable in law if a victim has a pre-existing condition, even if it makes him vulnerable. And because of the unlawful acts of the defendant, the victim would have still been alive. There's no requirement that the defendant needs to know about the pre-existing condition. They needed to find a causal link between the act of the defendants and the death of the victim that they were sure was a substantial cause of the death. And this is why, of course, pathologists were brought in um, to talk about medically what caused the death, what was the factual cause. So Justice Richards further explained that it need not be the only or principal cause of death, but it has to be more than a minimal or trivial cause. So two physicians testified um, about the reports that they had read, um, the police, you know, evidence that had been gathered there was some question from the defense and whether or not alcohol might have played a part in the vulnerability of the defendant 
And again, you take your victim as you find them. So yes, he was unsteady on his feet and he may have tripped and whatever, but in the final analysis, the doctor said that um, whatever, I mean, it, it would have been highly unlikely that that could have caused um, his death. So the jury went out yesterday after uh, the judge spent the morning going back over the medical evidence, rereading it for their benefit. And I thought that was good of them. I mean, obviously they were looking seriously at this case. I don't think there was any rush to judgment here. And they just wanted to make sure, you know, that they got this right. And um, they took some time to consider what additional information they had. There were times when um, Justice Richards reread something because, like I said, it was medically complicated. So she would reread certain aspects of what she was reading from the testimony. I saw jurors taking notes, three men and four women. They were writing things down. They were taking notes. They were very much engaged. And then they went away and they deliberated further. And they came back with a guilty verdict for these young men. So folks, um, sad for sure. Um, Mr. Denise was 36 years old. Kevin Parchment is 24. That was the other brother. Jeremy is um, 20. I think he's now 21 because this was back in December. Yeah, I think he's now, um, I think he's now, he would now be 21. Yes. And um, Shamar Kelly is about 23 years old. So you know, even if they get five years for this folks, they still have their entire lives ahead of them. And I really hope that they recognize that and they recognize um, the importance of second chances. Sometimes going to jail gives you a, another chance to come out and, and do the right thing. So we hope. Jessica, good morning to the beautiful Jessica. Dark Star, good morning. Jaren, thank you so much for tuning in. Good morning to you. Miss Doreen is watching with you, she says. Good morning, the Cayman Islands. Thank you guys so much. I saw our numbers go up to close to 200, 180-something persons reviewing just a minute ago. Uh, Dwin says good morning to his friend Morna over there in the Cayman Islands. Thank you, Dwin. 
How are things in Rotan? Linda says we need new leadership. Those who will speak out and condemn violence in our community. Well, Linda makes a very valid point. Because one thing I've observed is, you know, politicians in this country appear to be very afraid of the electorate at some level. They're going to rip you off in other ways. But when it comes to telling you the truth and the cold hard truth, they don't necessarily want to do that. So they're going to hide behind whatever it is they hide behind. And um, they never condemn violence in this community, whether it's by another elected official or not. Sad days, sad days, folks. So um, again, my condolences to the family of Denise. And um, I will keep you guys abreast of the outcome of the sentencing hearing, which at this point has been set for, let me just have a look at my notes to see when they're back in court. Um, I think it was March. Did I not put that in my notes here? Trust me, sometimes I'm sitting there in court. My little fingers are typing so fast. My laptop died yesterday, so I had to... Um, I had to pull out the iPad, thank God, and I was able to continue typing. And then, you know, you have to put it all together. Um, I want to say, I'm going to double check because I don't want to give you wrong information. Let me just double check and when they're actually going to be back in court for the sentencing hearing. So we'll keep you updated on their sentence and what the outcome will be. Prison seems definitely very likely and on the table. This is a sober lesson, I think, to um, all young people to just be very aware that your actions have consequences. So Linda says, well done to the jurors for their part in upholding justice and law in our society. Jury duty is a very important part of civic responsibility. And it absolutely is. Now, as a person who's never been called for jury duty, um, I don't know why. I mean, now I know that they couldn't call me because I'm part of media and that sort of thing. Did you guys know, speaking of that, Linda, that there are categories of people who are exempt from jury duty? So if you're like a pastor or minister, you're exempt from jury duty. Politicians are obviously exempt. Lawyers and I guess others in the legal profession are exempt as well. So the pool of jury duty, I mean, I hear some people like, oh, this is like my third time being called. I'm like, really? But before they had a reason to exempt me, I was I was never called. And I've been on the voters list. I mean, I came back in the 1996 and I signed up right away to register for vote to vote. And I've never been called. So I don't know how that works. Speaking of jail time, Anzine, good morning. We got to wrap up life here with Skylar. I'm going to be so glad when Skylar Mack leaves, folks, because the day that I no longer have to talk about her <laughs> is going to be a wonderful day for me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be happy not to have to mention the name Skylar Mack hopefully ever again. Although I think she'll probably get a reality show. Maybe her and Trump will peer up and do something uh, together. 
So um, we reported yesterday in the early morning hours, which means I was up again until two o'clock the night before, working on some articles. And Skylar, we said, was going to be released on the 15th. And the article went through uh, a number of details in terms of um, if there wasn't a flight available, which I now understand that there is a Cayman Airways flight going out that day. So she should be able to leave that day without a problem. So um, she will be released on the 15th. She served her time, folks. Her sentence was reduced from four months to two months. You know, you serve 60%, you get time for good behavior. And then you can apply for and receive five days knocked off of your sentence from the prison director. It's part of the powers that he actually has. And both her and Vanjie have done that, and it was granted. Um, to be expected for the level of offense that this is. And so um, Skylar and Vanjie will be getting out next week, Friday. So a week from today, they will be released from prison. So our story went up. Um, shortly after that, the governor's office did confirm uh, that they would be released on the 15th. And they also said that there was no... Um, there was nothing special that had happened in terms of their release. So they weren't giving like any special consideration or they weren't pardoned or anything like that, which we never said that they were. We did reach out to the, um, the board that is responsible for pardons. It is called the Advisory Committee on the Prerogative of Mercy, ACPM. Uh, to inquire whether or not we knew, obviously, that Skylar had not been granted a pardon. But our question was, did she apply for a pardon? And um, unfortunately, they said that they could not answer that question because that would be considered confidential information. But let me assure you, folks, when we ask a question like that, we're not asking it because we actually need a response per se. We're just going through the formalities of, okay, you're in the space of journalism. You have to ask the authorities the questions and then they tell you if they're going to answer it or not. Um, we fully knew that she had requested it. We knew the day, like pretty much it was like right after one or two days after um, the documentation came in and, you know, for her pardon, we think that it was um, persons in the U.S. that were in contact with the ACPM um, trying to get her to be pardoned and or what they call um, a remission of sentence. So that story went up, I think, like about one o'clock in the morning the night before, which would have been early Thursday morning. And so by about 10 o'clock or so yesterday, the um, governor's office confirmed that they would be leaving on the 15th. And also, they were like, by the way, we've not basically had any involvement in it. They've served their time. They're 60% and they're just out. So basically, they confirmed everything we said.
but we had more details in the story. So if you missed it, go check it out. Um, again, just to help people understand, you know, how, how the process works. You know, because a lot of people don't know anything about this advisory committee and prerogative mercy. Remember, they actually um, were, were involved. Um, the attorney general sits on that. Chief medical officer, Dr. Lee, sits on that. Stan McMiles. Um, Mr. Eric Joseph, who is um, – oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, OBE, Mr. Carlin Powery, former customs head. And um, sorry, he's MBE. And uh, Cheryl Reed. So they'll be out next week to continue their lives again. You know, just a little slip up. Young people, sometimes that's what they do. Um. So she should be able to leave on the 15th with Kim Airways. All right, Skylar. Um, I won't be at the airport waving you goodbye, but some people might go out and see you off. Uh, Vanji will have to continue living in this community. I kind of feel like he gets the short end of all of this, to be honest, because, um, you know how it's going to go. Um, they're gonna probably ride his ass in this community for a little while, but we are also very forgiving people as a, as a community. I mean, after all, I see child molesters walking around like they own the place. Every turnaround, I see this Webster guy at Foster's Countryside, Kirk Supermarket. I mean, this guy, he lives in the grocery store. Every Saturday, he just hangs out at the grocery store. He never has a cart or a basket. And I never actually see him in line shopping. He's just like randomly walking around looking at people. I see him all the time in Countryside. And I can't tell you, every time I see him, I want to I find a reason to go to jail by thumping him on his head. But, you know, as Roger says, maybe they don't want me in jail, but I don't want me in jail. So I have got to make good decisions as well, right? I have no interest in going to jail, but it's disgusting how he walks around. I think to myself, wow, that came out and people are just like, yeah, whatever. A lot, of, a lot of you guys are so young, you don't even know who he is. He's walking around looking at your children in the grocery store and you have no idea the danger that lurks in that man. Crystal says, wow, all of this for sex. Well, I hope they got enough of it in before she was arrested at the um, at the event. Because, shall, honey, please. Uh, no amount of sex would have been worth me going to jail for. Uh-uh. I don't care how hot he was. A Caribbean flavor got to her, I guess. I guess stranger things have happened. Is the relationship over? I don't know. Crystal, um, Skylar, sorry. Will you come on the show? Granny Matt pulled out at the last minute. But will you come on the show and tell us? I mean, these are kind of the juicy details that people here at CMR want to know. Is your relationship going to survive prison? Are you going to be doing a lifetime movie? Lifetime movie network kind of thing. Will you do a reality show? 
about life in prison? Can we see you on Locked Up Abroad? That would be a very popular episode. Locked Up Abroad in the Cayman Islands for quarantine breach. So what's going to happen, Skylar? Let us know. But Crystal has said this before. If I were a betting person, I would say that relationship is done and dusted. Young people, I always tell young people this. Sometimes they call me, they're like in their 20s and, oh, you know, my boyfriend's mother is like doing this and what should we do? And I said, let me tell you something, honey. You want the real cold hard truth? You'll be lucky if you're still with this boyfriend in another year. So do not try to get between your boyfriend and his mama, okay? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to last. Um, be sensible. This is just a little fun ride for a minute. And um, take your time with the decisions you're making with this so-called boyfriend. Oh, my boyfriend's going to move in with me. Next thing you know, he's running up the bills and he's doing I'm like, listen, girl, don't make no man use you. This is a temporary pleasure. So I don't tell young people not to engage in sex because I know that's beyond stupid and they're not going to be listening to me anyway. Do what you got to do, but you got to be smart about it. And um, as you guys can hear the lawn people here today, right outside the window, you've got to be smart about it and you have got to um, protect yourself. So is that relationship going to last? I doubt it. Crystal says the movie should be Trouble in Paradise. Irvin suggests locked up in paradise. Um, you know what? Give the Cayman Islands some props here. Our name has never been used so much in the space of a month. So uh, if you're going to make a movie, put our name in the title. Um, I don't know what that would be, but, you know, give us a couple more um, accolades in the world of entertainment. Go win yourself an Oscar, girl. Show that Oscar-winning performance. Brush up on the tears and whatever else you got to do. So, of course, we're making a little bit, little bit of fun of Skylar, but Skylar will be okay, folks. Skylar ain't got nothing to worry about. She was in one of the best prisons in the world to be in, I can assure you of that. Eating well as she chose to eat. Getting a phone call every single day. Arranging video calls. Granny Mac, I can imagine the throwdown meal that you are going to prepare for Skylar when she gets back. Georgia, you guys live in the South? Oh, yeah, honey child. Some nice Georgian tea. Some nice peach tea, maybe, Granny Mac. You hook her up with some collard greens. What else are you going to put on the menu? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be delicious. All right, folks, that's it. Skylar, one week, she'll be out of here. Um, I'm done with her <laughs> and hopefully soon we'll be done with that entire conversation. So there's other quarantine breaches that we are waiting to hear what the authorities will do. You guys remember the, um, young man. Oh, Louis got a good title. The two max hypocrisy in paradise. <laughs> Oh, we need to make all these submissions to Lifetime. Somebody send the script quick. Send them the script. Let's see if we can uh, if we can get the rights to that. So everyone's wondering what's going to happen to the young man who was positive 
and caught not once, but twice breaching quarantine, Aaron Montemayor. And uh, we're waiting to hear from the DPP's office and the police. They claim that they're still investigating it. I don't know why this investigation would be taking so long. He was out. They caught him twice. Other people claim he was out more than twice. Um, out at nightclub. People saw him at, at um, the nightclub there off of Eastern Avenue. Uh, not Eastern Avenue. Um, Sound Road. Um, what's it called again? Cotton Club. So what has taken them so long? Well, Aaron's mom, who is a senior civil servant, has been doing her best. This is the word on the street. Um, and obviously, I cannot confirm this. I have not heard this from any official sources because investigation is continuing. So I don't think that they're going to say anything about it. But the word on the street is that Mama Montemiora has been doing her best to keep Aaron out of jail. And I guess as a mother, is this what all parents do? Like part of me is like, you know, I really hope that I'm not that parent. I hope that I'm not that parent who will see my child doing wrong and then try to find excuses for their behavior about how they have ADHD and they have this, that, and the next thing. Because um, even in terms of myself, you know, I was convicted the other day of supposedly um, harassing Mr. Leslie. And you know what I, you know what I said in the end, even when I had to do my sentencing submissions, um, you know, I told the judge a little bit about me, where I'm coming from, so that he has an understanding of my character and, and how I kind of got here. But I made it very clear to him in my written and oral submissions that whatever I shared about my childhood, whatever, um, you know, difficult times I may have had, I'm not sharing that with him or with the court with a view to them um, giving me any special consideration because of it. You know, I, I am not someone like the, the, the victim trying to always play the victim card in life and um, always, oh, you know, people used to make fun of me because I was the fat kid and, uh, you know, this, that, the next thing. No, 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 no. No, I'm not. I'm not about that. Um, but the word on the street is that Aaron's mama is working overtime to ensure that um, he stays out of jail. Now, this young man has had the benefit of a good education. He went to a special school in Utah. Uh, to the best of my ability or knowledge, he's in university. I don't know where his university is, but he's somewhere in university in the States. So this argument of some kind of diminished capacity now that he's broken the law, I find to be very questionable at best. The last time I checked, ADHD is not an excuse to break the law. And I've said this before, and I hope that the authorities take this into consideration. If someone is um, able to sign a legal document, 
as Mr. Montemayor would have, and the parent allowed them to sign a legal document, knowing full well the consequences of that, how can you then turn around and not hold them accountable for their actions? How can you then say that the person doesn't have the mental capacity to be held accountable for breaching quarantine, not once, but twice? Especially when you, as the mother, knew that he was positive. Somebody explain it to me. Have it make sense. Because I got to be honest with you, this don't make no damn sense to me. So unless I'm missing something here, um, he should be before a judge just like anybody else. And uh, he should be going to jail just like Skylar Mack and Van Jay. Young people, consequences. Your actions have consequences. Parents, stop cuddling your children and allowing them to believe that their actions do not have consequences because the outcome of that, honestly, will not be good for your child or for you. If he gets away with this, with such a flagrant breach, not once but twice, knowing that he's positive, even when his 10-year-old sister has enough sense to know you're behind going to jail, it's kind of like, what next? You know, seriously, what is he going to do next that you're going to be before the court begging for mercy? Let his behind go to jail and let this be a tough lesson. Lizette, good morning to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Where's your mug? Well, the mugs haven't arrived in Cayman yet. So um, they're supposed to be in route as well as the other little tidbits that we've ordered um, soon. They're ready. It's just organizing the shipping. Uh, Cindy says, what happened with him? What is there to investigate? Um, so I think that at the end of the day, that is uh, a burning question that the community would like an answer to. So hopefully we'll get one sooner rather than later. Um, Cindy says, big up yourself, my friend, 134 people watching tuned in and only 14 people in Cayman Crosstalk. Oh my gosh. Poor, um, what's her name? Uh, um, Barry, is she, uh, did she have the governor on again today? Cause I think she was scheduled to have the governor on my God. I hope she only, she only has 414 people with the governor. That's probably not good. Not a good sign for that show. If that continues, they're probably gonna have to end up canceling the show, but thank you, Cindy. I appreciate it. Karen, good morning to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jessica says Cayman Mall Road is the best. We'll never go to Cayman Crosstalk. Just saying. Oh, you guys are too sweet. Speaking of Cayman Crosstalk, not everyone seems to know that Woody's gone. Um, 
Someone sent me this comment this morning where apparently, hold on one second now, let me see if I can find it. Apparently, somebody commented on the show saying, good morning, Woody. Look at this. This is when people don't know what's going on. Um, can you see it? Let me move the comment, our comment out of the way. Good morning, Woody. My brother, good morning, Cayman Islands. God bless you from Don and Rowena Marsh. Well, Don doesn't seem to know that Woody's no longer there. How often is he tuning in? What a hot mess. Mm -mm -mm. So Don, sorry. Woody might be doing something else here real soon. Uh, Crystal says the mother should be locked up too. Well, there are some, some talk on the street. There is some talk, I should say, on the street that she actually knew he was positive before even coming into the Cayman Islands. And he went into a government quarantine facility and her and her daughter who were traveling with him um, quarantined at home. He breached the government quarantine facility. Remember, that's the one that he breached first. And then they permitted him to go home with her with 24-7 guard outside. And um, what the hell is this message? Your purpose in life is what desire. I mean, your aims, objectives, or message me. Um, Jimosh, or whatever your name is, please don't be on here trolling my people. Let me delete you and block you. Seriously? Oh, and he had the nerves to do another one? Uh-uh, uh-uh, block user. I noticed these trolls have been showing up recently. And I mean, they can type some straight-up bullshit. Oh, let's read this one, because this is kind of funny. Luis, Luis, this one is for you, my friend. May the spirit of ancestors be with you and guide you, protecting you, and give you blessing in all your ways. I have a vision for you, beloved. Lord have mercy. Luis, you are getting a vision all the way from Nigeria. He says, I'm a chief priest from Oyo, Nigeria. Say Asi. Say Asi? What is that? I have no clue what that means. May the spirit of ancestors be with you and guide you, protecting you and giving you blessings. Well, Jima Tuhib. Uh, thank you at least for the positive message, but that will be deleted. <laughs> Lord Jehovah. Uh, Carol says that if he can go to school, he can serve his time. Amen. Lizette says so he won't go to court. No punishment, no community service, nothing. Make it make sense. We don't know yet because they're still investigating. Yes, Karen, I just saw him. Like, seriously. Ugh, these spammers got time. Uh, Michael says who? Don't know, don't care. I don't know who Michael is commenting or responding to. When you guys respond to other people um, in the live, I see the message, but I don't see what it's in response to. So, Michael, I'm not sure who you're responding to. Um, Marshall says, lock him up, lock his behind up. He was caught out of quarantine twice. Positive. Yes, Ervalyn, he is blocked. Nigerian scammer. Sharon having a good laugh. <laughs> Crystal says, OMG, he's messaging me about ancestors. Shall he's trying to send you some ancestral positivity. 
Lord Jehovah, what a hot mess. Um, so you guys know here in CMR 2020, we are embracing it full force. And we got a couple of things we're working on. I'm really excited, actually. So we've got two new jingles for the show uh, that are going to hopefully be unveiled in the coming days. Um, I want you guys to tell me what you think of this second one, which I have just approved. And uh, we decided to go with more of a Caribbean flavor. So, you know, the cold hard truth, there's a country song called the cold hard truth. And I love the country's version. That's the original song. And I love that song. Um, But we're going to do a little bit of a twist on it this year with a little bit of reggae rhythm. So tell me what you guys think about this one. This is our hook for reminding you that you can call into the program at any time that you desire, just click on that link and boom, you're in the conversation. And I really do want you guys, Cindy and everybody else, to start participating more, not just typing your comments, but actually jumping on to the live with me. So check this one out, folks. All right, folks, it's tomorrow time. Call in, call in, call in. Uh, Cindy, would you like to jump on the live with me? Let me post the link again to remind you guys of how easy it is to do so. Call in, call in, call in. Here we go. Just click on that. Do a Friday shout out. Cindy, Carol, Karen, anybody? Good stuff. We've got about 15 minutes left in the program. Let me see what else is trending. So Canova Watson, back to court updates. And Bruce Blake will have a trial starting in the couple in the coming months. They pled not guilty on Wednesday. Uh, multiple charges, eight charges uh, from the anti-corruption unit. They've been doing a lengthy, lengthy investigation. Allegations date back to something that happened, I think, back in 2013, 2014. So it's been a long time. Uh, Bruce was originally arrested. As a matter of fact, a little bit of CMR history. I think it might've been the first story that we did. What was definitely our first big story, our first breaking story was that he was the one who was arrested um, three years ago. Um, I believe that was the first day that CMR started, first or second day. But anyway, yeah. This was back in 2019. Um, 
I'm sorry, 2017, June the 29th. That is the day that CMR started. That's why I'm kind of thinking this may have been our first story. Yep, and he was arrested uh, that day or Thursday morning, which probably was the day before, on suspicion of secret commissions, an offense under the anti-corruption law. So now they have a whole list of eight different offenses that they're um, alleging that these gentlemen um, were involved, all surrounding the whole FIFA fiasco. So read the story, folks. This is early days yet. A trial has not started. Um, the both of them were in court on Wednesday as the lawyers worked out some of the case management details, you know, stuff like, okay, when are we going to have certain documents together? Um, they've got some good heavy hitting defense attorneys, I must say. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, engaging in secret commissions, entering into an arrangement, allegations of like, you know, transferring money that came from the proceeds of criminal conduct, $500,000 here, $600,000 there, another $300,000 transaction, $140,000, some loan agreement. So there's two counts, count seven and eight, um, false accounting contrary to section 255 of the penal code where the, the prosecution is alleging that um, Blake, who was, I think, the secretary or treasurer of CIFA, the Cayman Islands Football Association at the time, entered into um, a loan agreement with Forward Sports Club. One loan agreement was for $600,000 U.S., and a second loan agreement was for another $600,000 U.S. Um, with some Cartan International Management. Basically, the allegation is they were creating a record of a false agreement to try to cover up the wrongdoing. Um, so that's the, those are the allegations. We'll have to see if the crown can prove it, but there are some 2000 pages of um, documentation that they're going to have to go through. Uh, Ervalyn, she's out. Thank you, Ervalyn. Crystal, according to CNN, Democrats could bring articles of impeachment to the House floor as soon as next week. Lord Jehovah, what a hot mess. Yeah, how does it... Louis makes a good point about the time. Do they have enough time to impeach him before he's out? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so yes, just having a quick look at emails. So the vaccine yesterday morning, thank you guys for tuning into that live stream. We had over 500 of you at one point tuned into that program. The governor, the premier, the minister of health, um, Bernie Bush, eventually McKeever Bush also showed up, but we were um, actually done with the live stream at that stage. But Mr. Bush came a little bit late to get his vaccine as well. And, you know, they are all um, obviously encouraging people to get the vaccine by showing that, hey, they're willing to do it. 
And so showing confidence in their vaccine, they've got a vaccine plan. So I was really, really busy yesterday between court covering that. And uh, we had a good friend that actually had a birthday yesterday and I had to go to a birthday lunch. So let us discuss on Monday's program, the rollout plan, because we want to look at this critically and analyze um, uh, and analyze this, you know, as much as, as we can, what the rollout looks like. I've already seen people on social media posting uh, medical workers and other people posting that they have gotten their vaccination hashtag, you know, get vaccinated as well type thing. So um, we shall see. And uh, we'll be prepared for that because I know you guys have a lot of questions as well about the vaccine itself. Obviously there's a lot of rumors in circulation and one of the things that we always want to do here is dispel rumors and provide you with as accurate as information as we are aware that's out there. So Karen says, movie title, hit the road, Mac. Ooh, I like that one. Karen, you got a good head on you. Hit the road, Mac, and don't come back. No more, no more, no more, no more. Somebody needs to do a song. Where, where are all the country singing people in Cayman who love to write songs? Listen, uh, Karen just gave you the title of your song, the hook of your song, hit the road. Don't come back. No Mac. I love it. No more. Odette. Good morning, my friend. Uh, it would be nice if they did the right thing in removing Mr. Bush from his position. So the opposition has requested for this to be done. The official opposition finally stepped up to the plate. Um, so we were reminded by someone that uh, section 71C of the conditional release law says that prisoners who were sentenced to a term of imprisonment not exceeding one year shall be released by the director of prisons after serving 60% of the sentence imposed by a court but may be held for a longer period in accordance with any remission they may have forfeited under the prison law. So in other words, if they do something wrong. So nope, she has served her 60% and she is out of here. Charlene, uh, was wondering where the Minister of Tourism and the, who's SOH? Which one is that? Especially the Minister of Tourism. Who's Minister of Tourism again? Oh, um, Mr. Kerkernel was probably in the Brackchild. I don't know. I don't know why they weren't there. Larry says, it's been a while since I felt excited to look at my mailbox. Aw, Larry, when you get the mug, you're going to have to come on, do a video on the show, and show us the mug and you drinking your favorite beverage in that mug. How about that? Um, Crystal says she'll take the vaccine in a couple. Um, oh, Speaker of the House. My apologies, Charlene. Uh, in a couple months, if all looks well. Yeah, he eventually showed up. The Minister of, of Tourism was, a, was not there. And he's also Deputy Governor. I think all ministers of government should have been there yesterday to show a united force. 
uh, with the government. Um, but if you missed it yesterday morning, we did live stream the event. So I'm going to just stick the link here, go back to the Facebook page and watch it. Um, just having a quick perusal here of anything that came in by email. Oh, by the way, on a more serious note, folks, a um, couple evenings ago, we had an, a near drowning, it looks like, of a young child. Um, we've actually not had any updates, which is kind of weird on this situation. So I kind of feel like Maybe the child is still alive, and that's why there have not really been any updates, because I know for sure if the child had died, we would know. Uh, young child estimates about 10 years old. <laughs> got into some trouble in the water. His mom was there fishing kind of in one area, and then he was off somewhere else. The, the sister came running to the mother to say that something was going on. Uh, medical personnel, EMT came out, the helicopter was up. And someone called me on the evening to say, Sandy, you need to give a shout out to a guy who was there um, who was performing CPR on this young man before the arrival. Oh, good. The police have finally made a statement. Oh, good. So they confirmed that 6 p.m. on Wednesday, um, officers responded to a report of a person in distress. Um, he was taken from the water, conducted CPR. He was then transported to ambulance uh, where he regained consciousness, oh my God, and remains in stable condition. This is such wonderful news. Thank you, RCIPS, for that. Um, so... Yes. Amazing. Amazing. I can tell you based on the footage that I saw, I haven't yet watched the video, but I'm going to watch it today. Now that I know that he's okay, I somehow feel better about watching the footage. But someone called to say, um, listen, Sandy, a good Samaritan um, actually performed CPR on this young man and that that good Samaritan really needed to be applauded for his actions. So thank you so much for that. Um, I can't tell you, you know, how much that means to everyone, and especially this young man's family. Wow. Wow. He's very, very fortunate to be alive. I got to tell you the truth. Um, so thank you. And I'll, I'm going to review the video. If the video is not that bad, again, you know, we know now that he's fine and he made it. Uh, we may we may put the, the video up because maybe the Good Samaritans can be identified. Um, Lyndon says, uh, let's go test their vaccine on themselves. Let them go test their vaccine. Yeah, well, they've done that. Medical professions, a chief medical officer, um, Dr. Williams, I forget what his exact title is. Um, and others in the medical profession, there was Dr. Rado from Doctors Hospital. They've all taken the vaccination. So thank you, Lenny. Um, Karen says, was deportation recommended for Skylar? 
Yeah, she's she's out of here. And in fact, she she can't come back in while we're still under, which isn't going to be much, probably for much longer, according to the premier, while we're still under um, the current quarantine restrictions. I think she should be banned for life, but I guess the government feels like that's a bit too much. All right, good folks. Anything else for me this beautiful morning, this beautiful Friday morning? Are we good to go? Oh, one little thing. Again, you would not be surprised by this. You know, crooks are always looking for an out. So check out this dude. Um, he is looking for President Trump to help him out. Let me see if I can pull up his picture here and tell you guys all about it. Former Miami businessman Philip S. Formez is uh, got a 20-year sentence on charges related to a massive Medicare fraud scheme. He had his sentence commuted by President Trump. <laughs> you cannot make this stuff up, folks. I don't know if any other president has exercised so many pardons as um, President Trump has done. He's been on a whirlwind of pardons here, folks. Taking care of all his rich friends. Remember when he got in, all the poor people were like, oh, yeah, he's for us. He's for the people. We're going to drain the swamp. Well, you guys were so gullible. This is his definition of draining the swamp. He's releasing all of his rich friends. So this dude on Christmas Eve, just after President Trump erased a 20-year sentence, prison sentence of Miami Beach healthcare mogul, Philip S. Formez, a physician assistant, who admitted to accepting bribes from him in exchange for providing patients sought the same lenient treatment from a federal judge. So this guy, Arnaldo Carmuzzi, he's 61, he pleaded guilty to healthcare fraud and is serving a prison sentence of four years and nine months. And he's asking for Miami judge for a compassionate release based not only on his diabetic health issues amid the coronavirus, but also on the computation, no, sorry, commutation of S. Forma's sentence to time served of four and a half years. So this dude serves four and a half years on a 20-year sentence, and Trump releases him. So the other dude now, Carmuzzi's defense attorney argued that he had already served one third of his sentence, proportionally more than this guy here, who was held behind bars until Trump commuted his sentence on December the 22nd. Wow, he made it home in time for Christmas. No wonder they couldn't respond to Skylar Max Granny. Trump was too busy. Releasing the rich people. Skyler, you're not rich enough. Lawyer Orlando Docampo added that Carmuz or Carmuzzi 
completed a substance abuse program at the Federal Correctional um, Institution in South Miami-Dade. His medical license was revoked by the state of Florida. So they claim that he's no longer a danger to the community as federal prosecutors portrayed him to be. Despite the changed circumstances, U.S. District Judge Robert Scola rejected the request. The second time he has denied the former Miami physician assistance bid for compassionate leave, saying none of the additional information tips the scale in favor of release. Too bad for him. He has still served far less than 50% of his sentence, and he already received a benefit of an early release based on his completion of the substance abuse program. So he get credit for that. And this is what um, Judge Scola said in his December the 28th decision. Goes on to say, while the court is not dismissive as his, of his neuropathies, which is his diabetic-related nerve damage, they do not pose a life-threatening situation warranting release. Of course, the lawyer expressed his disappointment um, in the decision of the judge, stating that S. Formes, who's 52, was immediately released from prison following the president's commutation and is now living in his $3.4 million home in an exclusive North Bay Road, on exclusive North Bay Road in Miami Beach. He was only convicted in April of 2019 on an array of bribery, money laundering, and obstruction of justice charges relating to a $1 billion Medicaid fraud scheme. He was arrested in July of 2016. So folks, you guys talk about Trump was gonna drain the swamp. Drain it in whose favor? He is filling the swamp. You can imagine Medicaid is a government federal program that tries to help those who are less able to pay for health insurance and so on. People who abuse that system put an undue burden on the taxpayers in America and uh, create fraud. There was a $39 million forfeiture judgment. So this dude is involved in a billion dollar, not million, billion with a B, Medicare fraud scheme, and thanks to Trump, he gets to walk out of there after being convicted just in April of 2019. He owned a chain of assisted living and skilled nursing facilities, originally sentenced to 20 years in order to pay $5.3 million to taxpayers back into the Medicare program. The case prosecutors in both agencies, the Justice Department and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami, said that they were unaware of Trump commuting the sentence until it was announced a few days before Christmas. That's because Trump just does whatever he wants. So clemency order left intact, the restitution to Medicare, his three-year probation, and all other components of the sentence. 
But guess what? He's still a free man. He still got to spend Christmas. Unlike Skyler, this dude, because he's rich enough, thanks to Donald Trump, got to spend Christmas with his family. And uh, it says here that as Formez was among 20 people, mostly political cronies of the president, implicated in scandals that marred his first and hopefully last term in office. So again, these were friends of his, rich people, taking care of each other. Trump has pardoned and given clemency to a lot of people. This dude made $38 million himself from Medicare and Medicaid payments between 2010 and 2016. And here we are out here trying to defend Trump about he's for the little people. Drain the swamp, we said. Not, not we, but his supporters. He's going to drain the swamp. He's not like them. He's different. Why would you think he's different? He didn't grow up any differently. This man, from the time he was a baby, his father was scamming the system and paying a baby a salary so he wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. What part of Donald Trump ever said that he understood the plight of the average person? Seriously. It's like these whole dunk people in the middle of nowhere. Oh, drain the swamp. Donald Trump understands us. That's what he tells you. But use a little bit of common sense, folks. Big up to Shakira. Shakira's watching from Barbados. Irvlin says they all will go to work for Trump cleaning Marlago. They don't even want him back. The neighborhood has said, don't come back here. We'd rather not have you. So crazy, absolutely crazy to think that there were people who legit believed that he was going to drain the swamp and he understand the plight of the average person. You know, you know what plight he understands? Ooh, I'm going to file for bankruptcy again, but I have so much clout. Let me just go to Bank of America and tell them to give me a $50 million loan. You and I could never in a million years file for bankruptcy how many times and still be able to go to a bank and demand any money. That's not the plight of the average person, folks. Crystal, we'll see. Uh, Lilla says, um, is the man that is charged with the murder of Michael Bush going to court today, uh, this morning or this afternoon? We'll check. Now, his situation would be by, um, he's in custody. So chances are, he would not be physically going to court. He's probably going to be joining in by video link. Um, what's going on with Laval? Her condition. What condition are we referring to, Crystal? Um, good morning, Linda. I don't know what's going on with Laval. I know that she posted a video, I think a couple of days ago over the weekend, where she definitely seems to be off her meds again. And she was saying that something was going to happen in seven days. To the best of my knowledge, the seven days has already come and gone and nothing has happened. We are still very much here. So I don't know what Lavelle talking about. Um, but I don't know, has, has something else happened to her? I'm not aware of anything. All right. That's all she wrote, folks. 
I wish you guys a beautiful day. Yes, Crystal, block the scammer. He's got time. He was blocked from here, but looks like he's trying to um, private message you folks now. Block him, block him, report him to Facebook, get rid of him. Uh, happy Friday. Let's go out there and have a good one. Please, folks, have a safe weekend. No drinking, no driving, no boozing and driving, whatever you want to call it. Let's try to be safe on the roadways as much as we possibly can. Have a safe and enjoyable family at weekend with your family. And we will see you guys back here Monday morning, uh, God's willing, at 730. And we will definitely be talking about the vaccine on Monday morning. And hopefully um, get all of your vaccine-related questions. So big congratulations this week to Sabrina Turner. Sabrina has announced her candidacy for the District of Prospect. Um, congratulations to Jay Ebanks. Jay has announced his candidacy for the District of East End. And uh, we've got a couple more announcements coming. Kathy Wilkes, of course, declared early. And I'm telling you guys, you're going to be very, very interested to stay, stay tuned right here to Kim and Ma Road because as your election headquarters, we are bringing you the election tea beyond piping hot. And uh, you just got to stay tuned for it, folks. It's going to be good. So in the meantime, have a beautiful weekend and we'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.